John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, has a famous quote. He says this, uh, though I am always in haste, I am never in a hurry because I never undertake any more work than I can go through with perfect calmness or spirit. Wesley must have been a lot more spiritual than I am or else he was lying. One of the two, because how can you never be in a hurry? It, it seems to me that life is often just a blur, rushing from one meeting to another, rushing from one children's activity to another, rushing from uh, one from family and colleagues back and forth, the countless emails and demands that we have in life. Uh, there are nights that I come home and you just feel exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. And all I want to do is just sit on the sofa and just scroll through social media or watch some movie or show on Netflix. You ever have one of those days you come home from work and you've just been busy all day long, but you don't even remember what you did? Uh, it just is a blur. Uh, one day blurring into another day. You, you ever feel like you're not living life, but that life is happening to you? Uh, and you're just reacting to all the different inputs coming at you. You know, it does seem like life is just a blur many times. Uh, and, and it's important for us to, ha how can we slow down in this world that seems to get faster and faster and faster? And I'm not sure we can keep up the pace. I'm not sure I want to keep up the pace. And so I ask the question, what is this pace of life and the distractions of life doing to our souls? What is the pace of life and the distractions that we have around in our life doing to our souls? Um, you know, there's a great, Dallas Willard, a great man, a Christian author, philosopher, all around guru. He, uh, <laughs> Everything related to spiritual to the spiritual life, Willard had something to say. And there's this famous interaction that uh, Willard had with uh, another famous Christian leader, John Ortberg. Ortberg was asking Willard um, what the most important thing he could be doing to help his spiritual life. And think about all the ways that Willard could have answered, you know, pray more, read the Bible more, go to church more. But he didn't say any of that. Uh, this is how Willard responded. He said this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Can you believe it? So Ortberg, he wrote it down in his journal that he had there and then asked the, the next question, what else? And, and this is how he replied. Listen to this. There is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our, today, in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Think about that. Now, if you ever wanted to truly be a part of a counterculture, that really is it, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your lives because our world is built on hurry. Uh, our world is built on being busy. Our world oftentimes seems like a blur. You know, isn't it the case every time you, you see someone, you say, hey, how are you doing? And what's their reaction? How do they respond 99 times out of 100? Oh, good, but we're busy, right? Everyone is busy. It's almost like a badge of honor that we wear, that we're so busy and that we can cram more and more things into our day. Uh, we feel like if we're not busy, then something's wrong. And it all becomes a blur. But were we meant to live this way? Again, the question, what is the busyness and the hurry and distractions doing to our soul? Dallas Willard thought it was the greatest enemy of our spiritual life today. The speed of life that the world around us is running isn't Christian. 
However, too often we've been assimilated into the culture around us and busyness and hurry. We never even give it a second thought. Corey Tim Boom famously said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Do we ever think that way? Uh, I'm so convinced that, uh, that one of the devil's biggest schemes and lies for us as Christians is to distract us from the spiritual life and to get us to really assimilate into the culture around us uh, without really giving it a, th- a second thought uh, and not truly reflecting on what it is doing to our lives. And he's doing this, the enemy is doing this in the form of busyness, distraction, and hurry. John Mark Comer famously uh, quotes a study from uh, Michael Zigarelli, who identified busyness as a major distraction from the spiritual life. Let me quote from him. This is a, a little bit longer quote, but I think it's a powerful quote. He says this, It may be the case that Christians, one, Christians are assimilating into a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, more conformity conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. Isn't that a great quote? And, And we see these trends and studies on Christians and spiritualized. It used to be that a, a committed uh, church member would attend church at least three times a month. And now we've done that down to a committed church member will attend it about one and a half times a month. That's what we now consider committed. And it's because we have become so busy that we do not have margin in our lives. And it pushes that spirituality to the margin. And then we fill those margins with something other than spirituality. Uh, we're filling them with mindless distractions. It's a constant plague on our life that everything is vying for our attention. Everything being designed right now, everything being designed right now is being designed to distract us, to get our attention because that's where the money is. If you get your attention, you get your money. Again, let me say that again. Everything is being designed to distract you, to get your attention. Because that is truly where the money is. If corporations can get your attention, they can get your money. And they spend millions of dollars making sure that you are constantly distracted by their technology, by their social media. The noise and hurry and distractions and the busyness of our world keeps us from hearing the still small voice of God. It's like we've become deaf because there's so much noise around us. And so back to the question. What is the pace of life and the distractions and the hurry doing to our souls? I submit to you that it it really is killing our souls uh, and killing our families. Um, So what's the solution? How do we learn to slow down, to say no to the thousands of demands and distractions that we have around us uh, and, and stop really distracting ourselves to death? You know, As a Christian, I think the first thing we should do is to turn to Jesus and look at his life. How did Jesus deal with the constant demands and pressures of life? Because he had them. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, then I think it's important to see how Jesus actually lived and then do what Jesus did. In in the Gospel of Matthew, we get to peek into the life of Jesus. 
you, you know, Matthew starts out with uh, this miraculous birth, the birth of Jesus, the Savior. And it goes quite into quite a bit of detail about that birth. But then it just fast forwards uh, to when Jesus is an adult. And he goes out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Remember the scene? Such an amazing moment as, as Matthew is telling us the story of Jesus launching into his ministry and into prominence. Uh, and as Jesus is coming out of the water, the text says this. It says this. Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. What a powerful text. We could spend the whole time just on that text. Uh, but I want to just make a couple of comments here. We see in the beginning of Jesus' ministry this clear image, actually, of Trinity. You have Jesus the Son coming up out of the water. You have the voice of God the Father and the Spirit like a dove coming down. This idea of Trinity. And, and God is speaking over Jesus. And, and this is what he says. This is my Son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. This is before Jesus had done anything. He hadn't proven himself. The Father loved Jesus because of who he was. I think we need to understand that as well. So many times we try to prove ourselves and we don't have to prove ourselves. God just loves us where we are. Now he calls us to live for him and to, and to become holy, but he, he, he loves us, not for what we do. So right after this inauguration of Jesus's ministry, the text says that the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting. This is how Jesus started his ministry. He was baptized, and then he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days uh, to, to be quiet, to pray, and to fast. He, he starts in the wilderness to pray and fast before he actually does anything. That's kind of the model that we're called to do. This is the method. He spends time in silence and in solitude so that he can do the ministry that he is called to do. It's the way we were designed as humans. We need that alone time. Many of you know what happens next there in the desert, right? After 40 days, it says the devil comes and tempts him. He tries to get Jesus to stumble and to fall and to sin, but Jesus prevails. And I, and I think many of us, when we read this story, we think that uh, Jesus is at his weakest moment when the devil attacks. Because that's typically how the devil attacks, is when we're at our weakness. But here, after 40 days of prayer and fasting and being with God, I believe Jesus is at his strongest point because he's had that time of solitude and silence. This is where he's at his best. It's after taking that time to be alone, of knowing who he is, knowing the power and strength of God, and, and knowing your identity, that then he can fight the devil. He has prayed and reflected on the goodness of God. That's when he's equipped. See, when we're so distracted by the world and we get so hurried and busy, that's when we're more prone to fall to temptation. It's when we forget to spend time with God and push him to the margins that we get distracted by the world and fall easily to the devil's schemes. Jesus knew the importance of silence and solitude to do the ministry that he was called to do. Throughout the Gospels, we, we read this pattern of Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, 15 and 16, we read these words. But now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. 
Jesus would get busy, crowds all around him, and he would go away for silence and solitude. The busier he got, the more time he needed alone. He's becoming famous. There's people all around him wanting that. Everyone is vying for his attention. They want to be healed. They just want, they just want a word with Jesus. He's being pulled in all types of directions. I know some of you feel that. You know, you, moms, you feel that all the time from your kids. You know, executive executives in work, you know, you have your employees and others, your bosses vying for your attention constantly. And the busier Jesus got, the more intentional he was about carving out time to be alone and pray, to take time to listen, to hear from God. We read in Mark's gospel where Jesus had gotten up early one morning to go away to pray and his disciples came looking for him. And what did they say to Jesus? I love this line. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Everyone wants a part of, of your time, Jesus. And, and this, is, this is, you know, sometimes your friends aren't even helping you, right? But I love how Jesus responds to the disciples. Let's head out in the other direction. Let's go somewhere else. Let that soak in a moment. He doesn't cave to the demands of the world. He, he knows the demands are always going to be there, but he understands that he has a mission and a ministry and that he needs to go away so that he can truly do what he was called to do. He was grounded in the truth of who he was and what his purpose was. And so from that grounding, he knew when to say yes and when to say no. Because Jesus spent time in silence and solitude, this was his foundation to help him in the busyness of life. It helped him stay connected to the Heavenly Father. Again, verse 16, he would withdraw frequently to deserted places and pray. The expression of withdrawing in, in that original Greek, it really does imply that he did it constantly, frequently. Again, reflect on that. Jesus, the Son of God, the King of the universe, the Savior of the world, needed to get away in silence and solitude. He needed to withdraw. You're thinking of all the excuses that you have to not do this, right? I know I do. You know, you, you, you know you're, you're thinking, Rick, you don't know how demanding my job is. Uh, or I have ADD, or I'm an extrovert, or I'm a busy mom with three kids, or fill in the blank. We always, it's, I think it's human nature, we always want to be the exception to the rule. But read that line again. Jesus would withdraw frequently to deserted places to pray. He did it frequently. I don't think that gives us any good excuse. So let's look for a moment at this discipline of silence and solitude. They're called spiritual disciplines because they take discipline for us to do them. For many of us, it just doesn't come naturally. The, the purpose of silence and solitude is to be able to really hear the still, small voice of God. It's to be able to see. We need to take that time. Let's talk about silence for a moment. Silence can be a hard thing because oftentimes there's so much noise going on around us or going around in our heads that it's hard to silence the brain. That there's that inner silence that we, we need to work on. Uh, and there's an outer silence too, where we need to go get away from the noise and distractions around us, where we need to take this thing and, and put off all the notifications, silent it so that we're not distracted. Um, it's important that we learn how to silence the inside and the outside. And when we talk about solitude, it's not, it's not about isolating from the world. 
It's more about engaging in God and engaging with the Spirit of God. Uh, it's opening, opening yourself up to the truth of God and allowing His words to fill you for a deeper intimacy to come between you and God so that you can know who God is. Again, the purpose of silence and solitude is to draw near to God, to be able to hear, to see clearly. If you don't set aside time for this, for your relationship with God, your relationship will suffer. That's the way it is with any relationship. You need time together for it to be at its best. Now, you don't have to start with a 40-day journey into the wilderness to get alone, but maybe just a four-minute rest and reset at the end of the night, taking a time to just step away from the TV, the noise of the night, to sit in silence and just reflect on God's goodness. Maybe that's what you start with. But let me give you some options for some silence and solitude to reconnect there's a great app on the on your phone if you like apps. It's called the the Pause app, uh, P A U S E, um, and in it there are some pauses for the day: a one minute pause, three minute pause, five, uh, and ten minute, and and others. Just helps you to take a moment of silence and solitude with God. One of the things you could do is just go for a walk. I know right now it is August as I'm preaching this, and it's so hot, <laughs> but there might be late at night or early in the morning where you can get away for a minute and go for a walk. Take your headphones out and just listen to the world around you. Listen to the nature, to the birds singing, to the noises in the world and, and reflect and focus on God being walking with you. Do those things to uh, focus on God. Maybe if you walk with your spouse or someone else, you could walk in silence and then at the end of the walk, reflect back and forth with each other. What did you hear from God? just being open and tuned to God. Um, if you're spending time in solitude and finding it hard to stay focused and things keep coming up in your mind, things that you have to do, then be sure you have a journal or a piece of paper and a pen with you so you can just write those down on the paper so that you can get them out of your mind and on paper and say, I'll deal with that later. Right now I'm going to focus on God or, or just use a scripture to meditate on. Um, write those things down. Uh, you could do Lectio, Lectio Divina, is which a way to just meditate on Scripture so you can kind of be silent and alone with God. Um, schedule it. I know it sounds crazy, but for me, uh, I, I oftentimes need to schedule time alone with God. If I don't do that, then it never seems to happen. But if I put it in my calendar, I'm more likely to do it. And then when someone says, hey, can you meet at so-and-so time? You can say, oh, I already have an appointment. Sorry. It's okay that that appointment is being silent before God or listening to God. Just schedule it. Um, and then if you can, every couple of months, schedule a, a couple of hours to be alone with God. Or uh, if you can do more, if you, can, if, if you can't do that much, just uh, schedule, you know, maybe an hour. Um, and then find a place. Maybe find a place in your house or in nature, somewhere where you can, it's kind of your spot to be with God that you can kind of uh, focus in on silence and solitude. I think it's important. But that leads us back to our scripture from this morning. Because I think sometimes we find the scripture confusing because we haven't taken time to be silent. This is what Jesus says to us. We're here again. Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could it be that the, the pace of our life, the hurry, the distractions, the, the blur is keeping us from having that easy yoke? We weren't designed to do this life alone, apart from Jesus. We must take time to be with him so that we recognize we aren't alone. He's here to help us carry those burdens, but we have to slow down, listen in silence and solitude. So I encourage you, your next step for the week is to schedule some time to do one of these things I suggested to help you reconnect with God this week. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Fathers, we've gathered here today. We are so grateful for your presence with us. Help us to be aware of the blur of life. Sometimes we can't get rid of it, but we can step back and be silent before you. We can quiet our souls in you. We can recognize that you want to carry our burdens. Your yoke is easy. Burden is light. We trust you, Lord. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' holy name. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great week.